Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fireside Poems. I'm Dr. J. Today's episode is the first of two I'll be doing from James Russell Lowell's The Cathedral. Lowell himself named this long meditative poem A Day at Chartres, and I agree with him that the cathedral would be better approached and understood with that title. Lowell visited the famous cathedral at Chartres, France, in the summer of 1869. The crowds of tourists one finds there now were absent then. A visitor then could linger with his thoughts while taking in the grandeur of this edifice of medieval Christianity. Though the cathedral itself, its vast repose, is felt throughout the poem, most of the poem is given to Lowell's thoughts. If we compare the cathedral with Longfellow's The Belfry of Bruges, we immediately see Lowell's modernity. Longfellow's mind mused on the elder time. Lowell muses on our modern condition. His is a poem of questioning and doubt, most forcefully doubts about his own thoughts. The passage I've chosen for today begins with Lowell's gaze, falling upon an old woman, a beldam, kneeling before a statue of the Virgin Mary, saying the rosary while fingering her beads. Lowell's thoughts are those of a modern New England unbelieving Protestant, dismissive and even contemptuous. He quickly checks himself, however, turning instead to a more generous thought. But his honesty doesn't let him rest there, he next doubts his own generous thought, then checks himself again, and then, well, you get the idea. As I read the passage through, I'll interrupt to help you follow his shifting thoughts. Let's begin. From The Cathedral by James Russell Lowell I turned and saw a beldam on her knees, with eyes astray, she told mechanic beads before some shrine of saintly womanhood, bribed intercessor with the far-off judge. Such my first thought, but kindlier soon rebuked, pleading for whatsoever touches life with upward impulse. Be he nowhere else, God is in all that liberates and lifts, in all that humbles, sweetens, and consoles. Bless the natures shored on every side with landmarks of hereditary thought. Thrice happy they that wander not lifelong beyond the near succor of the household faith, the guarded fold that shelters, not confines. Their steps find patience in familiar paths, printed with hope by loved feet gone before of parent, child, or lover, glorified by simple magic of dividing time. My lids were moistened as the woman knelt, and was it will or some vibration faint of sacred nature deeper than the will? My heart occultly felt itself in hers through mutual intercession gently leagued. Lowell's feelings, here told, have brought him and us to a happy place of identification with the old woman, not scorning her, but wishing to be more like her. So far, so good. But Lowell abruptly disrupts this generous achievement with a doubt. 
not about the woman, but about himself. Is his feeling honest, or is he deceiving himself with a falsehood? Can he, a creature of the modern scientific 19th century, really pretend he's not? Let's continue. Or was it not mere sympathy of brain, a sweetness intellectually conceived in simpler creeds to me impossible, a juggle of that pity for ourselves and others which puts on such pretty masks and snares self-love with bait of charity? Something of all it might be, or of none. Yet for a moment I was snatched away and had the evidence of things not seen for one rapt moment. Then it all came back. This age that blots out life with question marks, this nineteenth century with its knife and glass that make thought physical and thrust far off the heaven so neighborly with man of old to void sparse sown with alienated stars. Tis irrecoverable, that ancient faith, homely and wholesome, suited to the time, with rod or candy for child-minded men. No theologic tube with lens on lens of syllogism transparent brings it near, at best resolving some new nebula or blurring some fixed star of hope to mist. No, Lowell acknowledges, it's impossible. The old Christianity must give way to modern scientific knowledge. But, Lowell continues, shifting again, this doesn't mean that Christianity must disappear, only that it must change. It must arm itself with the new knowledge, for attempts to forbid new thoughts will fail. Let's continue. Science was faith once, faith were science now, would she but lay her bow and arrows by, and arm her with the weapons of the time. Nothing that keeps thought out is safe from thought. I'll stop here, though this isn't the end of the passage, or even the end of a sentence. Lowell's thoughts keep tumbling out as he elaborates, reconsiders, looks from a different angle, doubts, affirms, and doubts again. This is, or should be, the modern mind. But such honest doubt isn't easy. Isn't the whole point of life to be honest with ourselves as far as we can, yet leave ourselves some delusion, whether religious or otherwise hardly matters, some delusion to cling to, might we not even find one perhaps in these very lines? Let's listen again without interruption. From the Cathedral by James Russell Lowell I turned and saw Beldam on her knees with eyes astray. She told mechanic beads before some shrine of saintly womanhood, bribed intercessor with the far-off judge. Such my first thought, by kindlier soon rebuked, pleading for whatever touches life with upward impulse. Be he nowhere else, God is in all that liberates and lifts, in all that humbles, sweetens, and consoles. Bless the natures shored on every side with landmarks of hereditary thought. 
Thrice happy they that wander not lifelong beyond near succor of the household faith, the guarded fold that shelters, not confines. Their steps find patience in familiar paths, printed with hope by loved feet gone before of parent, child, or lover, glorified by simple magic of dividing time. My lids were moistened as the woman knelt, and was it will or some vibration faint of sacred nature deeper than the will? My heart occultly felt itself in hers through mutual intercession gently leagued. Or was it mere sympathy of brain, a sweetness intellectually conceived in simpler creeds to me impossible, a juggle of that pity for ourselves and others which puts on such pretty masks and snares self-love with bait of charity? Something of all it might be, or of none. Yet for a moment I was snatched away and had the evidence of things not seen, for one rapt moment. Then it all came back, this age that blots out life with question marks, this nineteenth century with its knife and glass that makes thought physical, and thrust far off the heaven so neighborly with man of old, to void spare sown with alienated stars. Tis irrecoverable that ancient faith, homely and wholesome, suited to the time, with rod or candy for child-minded men. No theologic tube, with lens on lens of syllogism transparent, brings it near, at best resolving some new nebula or blurring some fixed star of hope to mist. Science was faith once. Faith were science now, would she but lay her bow and arrows by and arm her with the weapons of the time. Nothing that keeps thought out is safe from thought. Nothing that keeps thought out is safe from thought. Not many agree with this today, or if they do, they aren't willing to say so. Each of us declares that this thought or that thought is not only wrong, but impermissible. Not my thought, of course, but your thought. My thoughts are good and right and best for society. But in thinking so, we don't actually wall up the thoughts of others, try as we might. Rather, we wall up our own thoughts. We become safe from thought by simply no longer thinking. But fortunately, the young will keep on thinking. I hope you enjoyed this reading from Lowell's The Cathedral, and that you'll join me again next week as I continue reading from it. If you think others might enjoy Fireside Poems, please let them know about it through your social media so that they might join you and me each week by the Fireside. <laughs>